You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Good day once again, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. And, of course, the Philadelphia Eagles had some uh, much-needed time off this week uh, to heal up and get ready for an all-important stretch run. But people in the Philadelphia area were keeping close tabs on the game south of us here between the Dallas Cowboys and that Washington football team. And as strange as it sounds... A lot of people in this area rooting for the Cowboys. You don't have that often, but you take it when you get it. So I'm going behind enemy lines, but I'm going with a guy who's familiar to these parts. Played for Washington, played for Eagles, played for the Giants. Uh, He is one of the greatest all-time return specialists ever in the history of the game. I am proud to not only call him a colleague, but a good friend of mine I've known for a long time. Brian Mitchell, man, how you doing, brother? I'm good, D. How you doing, man? Good, man. I'm just doing. I'm just trying to keep up with you, man. You got like 20 different jobs. I got six, seven. I'm trying to catch up to you one day. Hey, I got three daughters, man. They got to get married. Got two left in college. I got to keep making that money, brother. <laughs> hey, oh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because um, last year I paid for my second daughter's wedding. That was wow. the second wedding in less than three years that I paid for. Ooh. Let me let me tell you something. I'm still hemorrhaging, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So you got three daughters. Get ready. Hey, I got a busy 2022 coming up. I got a daughter getting married. Well, I got my middle daughter's graduating from college Whew. in May. And then in June, I got a daughter getting married on June 18. And then my son is uh he and his wife were expecting in late June, early July. So my three months are gonna be something busy. My wife was like, what you going to do? I said, well, I need more streams of income. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess congratulations, congratulations, and congratulations are in order. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah, definitely. Well, uh, of course, um, you know, people in this area got what they wanted. Uh, they got a Cowboys uh, a win, uh, which helped mm-hmm. the Eagles out tremendously. Um, you know, man, that early, early on, man, Dallas could do no wrong. Washington could do no right. Of course, the Cowboys allowed it to be a little bit uh, more interesting at the end, but 
the day after the game, we are recording this on a Monday, day after the game. What's the scuttlebutt down in the D.C. area about uh, what Washington did not do in that game? I think for me, a lot of people here, they're very optimistic, you know. Uh, And I understand that point because they saw the four-game winning streak. But when you look at that game yesterday, I don't think that Dallas basically uh, did much wrong early on. Then late in the game, and you know how this goes. You know, late in the game, you're up by 20-plus points. You begin to be more conservative. You're running the ball. Uh, you're occasionally just trying to run the prevent. to try to run the timeout. And I think that got a little careless with the football and enabled them to get into the end zone a few times and things of that nature. But ultimately, uh, Washington, to me, I saw in the four-game winning streak, I saw a lot of things I thought could come back to harm. And as much as today, a lot of people said, well, if we would have done this, if we would have done that, I say, well, what if Dallas hadn't dropped those five to six balls that they touched that Taylor Heineke threw up? Those are YOLO balls, basically, as it happened. Ultimately, for me, I think that game yesterday, I, I kind of envisioned it happening. I envisioned that coming. And then all during the week, you know, you either a trash talker or you a person who's trying to talk. And when, when, when McCarthy put the words out there, then Ron tried to answer and all the players start answering. I think focus left. They didn't care about the game. They wanted to go out and embarrass Dallas, and Dallas came out to play. And whoever said what they want about Michael Parsons, that dude's a man-child. And he changed the game ultimately early. And I believe if they had to go on, he would have made some another play because nobody could stop him. That young man, Michael, Pars- Michael Parsons, doesn't even have a full season in the National Football League. Would you say he's, he's the best linebacker in the game right now? This kid is incredible. Well, I, right now, he, he's the defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, and he, he could damn well be the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. This guy is putting, like, or Lawrence Taylor, when he won it, his rookie season had nine and a half sacks. This kid has 12 sacks, okay? He didn't play a lot of pass rushing early in the season. He was a linebacker. Well, yesterday, he came from the right side, got a sack. He went up the middle, he got a sack. He was <laughs> giving him problems coming from the left side. He drops in coverage, almost picked off interception. You know, he lead, he's second in the league when it comes to tackle for losses. I understand. I played in, uh, here in D.C. I played in Philly and in New York. Everybody hates Dallas. But whenever I see an ultimate talent, I have to give him credit. That mm-hmm. dude is going to be special for a long time. You know, uh, during the four-game winning streak, uh, I, I would read and, and listen to everybody giving, um, you know, Taylor Heineke so many accolades for, <laughs> for being this daring, carefree type spirit. You know, he'll he'll serve up a couple of interceptions, but he'll also make some unbelievable plays you don't expect him to make. Man, in that first half against Dallas, he could do nothing. Um, yeah. When you looked at Washington's scheme, the way Dallas was pressing them defensively, when you looked at Washington's offensive scheme, and you're watching it as an analyst, but I know you're watching it as a fan also. You know, what are you saying to yourself over and over again that you're seeing that they're not doing to slow the Cowboys down? Well, ultimately what happened in that football game, you know, uh, we talk about players being patient, not trying to make the play one big play to to recover a ton of points at at one time. Well, what I saw yesterday, once Dallas went up 11-0, I think Scott Turner went into a, oh, we're going to let Taylor throw the ball up. I look early in the season, and a lot of people here have been talking about, well, we found our franchise quarterback, or this guy could be the guy. Listen, he is a very legitimate backup. He could come in and help you and be a bridge for a lot of things. He is by no stretch of imagination uh, uh, a franchise quarterback. Mm. He, Whenever he threw over 300 yards early in the season, they lost. <laughs> when he throws around 190 to 220 yards, they win. 
But what do they what do they have then? They're they're controlling the football. They're running the football yeah. effectively with Antonio Gibson, who better stop eating popcorn before the game. But he fumbles too much. But ultimately, what happens is Taylor is not the guy that's going to do it for you. You know, so all, you can have a guy that's okay. But I saw many things like a lot of balls were dropped in that four game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Okay, right after uh, he threw an interception for for the Raiders to take the ball, they go down and stick the field goal. He put a ball right into the hands of a cornerback. The cornerback dropped it. That was a, 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 a you know a, a pick and score. Or if, if they get the ball, they they run the timeout. But ultimately, I saw those those tackles. You know, when they're running the football and they're teeing off, they can cause problems for any defense out there. And now they're going against Philly, who has one of the best run defenses out there, which is going to be a good battle. But when you look at Leno and Lucas, I have seen people beat them willingly throughout this year, put pressure on Taylor, move him off the clock. Yesterday, you had Gregory back, you had Michael Parsons, and you had Demarcus Lawrence. They couldn't do much then. They had to make sure they blocked, let those guys go one-on-one, and they gave them problems all day. If Philly got good pass rushers coming off the edge, that could be a problem for them as well. Uh, Washington turned the ball over four times on Sunday as well. Three fumbles and one interception. They're like, they have 21 turnovers and I believe they're minus seven in the takeaway giveaway department. One of the worst in the National Football League. Man, I don't have to tell you this. Turnovers cost you a lot of ball games and obviously that played significantly into the outcome of this game on Sunday. It did. And you know, you look at the fact Dallas turned the ball over a lot too, but Washington gave gave the ball up more than they did. Mm -hmm. And ultimately... Dallas was, I mean, Washington was trying to make magnificent plays. And that's another thing about, like, when Taylor makes a great play, he's had to do something, like, magical. Mm-hmm. It's not just a part of what he does, you know? So you love him. I love the kid because he has great heart. He's going to give you everything that he has. But when he just does what he does very well consistently, it's not enough to win you football games, mm. you know? But you cannot keep throwing the ball up. And I think I look at it like this. They were working on his elbow throughout that game. Okay, so he already had a knee injury. He got sleep. Then he got banged up yesterday on his knee. He already was considered a guy with a weak arm, and now you have an elbow issue. You know the way the way I've always said, like when I'm looking at games, I don't look at it as a as a just an analyst on the Washington side. I don't look at it as a fan on the Washington side. I look at it as a former football player. Mm-hmm. And the way that I got ready for games is that I look at the other team, and then I looked at myself. And I've always said, if I were a, a defense coordinator playing against him, I'm playing man-to-man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let my, my guys go out. I'm going to send six people at him because he gets confused and he gets a little rushing and, and, and hesitant when you're rushing him. And then you want him to uh, – when you go in man-to-man, you got to be perfect with the football. <laughs> he throws a lot of high balls, a lot, a lot of balls behind people, and that, for me, would be my, 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 my motto against him. I'm going to make you be perfect today, buddy. You know, you're not Aaron Rodgers. You're not Tom Brady. You know, you – and then when you make any quarterback, I don't care if it's Aaron or Tom, if I'm making them throw as soon as they want to or later than they want to, they're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. If I get a young guy who's never started a whole year, I'm going to make sure – I'm going to make him make mistakes. Hey, speaking of guys making mistakes, uh, your lead running back, Antonio Gibson, put another one on the ground yesterday. Six fumbles in a season. W- what has been his issue in terms of securing the football, man? I just I just, just think uh, it's, it's, it's awareness, you know. Uh, he, everyone keeps saying in this town, well, you know, he, he's just running in his second year as a running back. I don't give a damn what position you play. <laughs> he's been controlling the football when he was in college. In college, this dude was a kick returner, a punt returner. He played receiver. He played, uh, he ran a lot of, uh, what's called them, uh, jet uh, sweeps. He ran a lot of screens. He had the football in his hand. 
The one thing that you tell anybody, I don't care if you're a tight end, receiver, running back, whatever, if the ball is in your hand, when you get around people, bring it tight, mm -hmm. high and tight, or bring the extra hand on it. He has a tendency when he's getting tackled, he just keeps the ball laying out there. You're strong, dude. And in college, most guys want to tackle you. In the pros, every defensive coordinator tell you, that ball is more valuable mm. than the tackle. And every one guy hits you, the other goes to the football. So he has to understand Tiki Barber had a problem fumbling. Yes, everybody fumbles, even the best of the best. I had some fumbles. But eventually you realize that you pull it in when you're about to get tackled. Maybe I want to fight for five more yards. No. What's more important, fighting for five or handing my ball, my team the football mm. as I keep as I finish the play? He has to get that in his mind where he's aware and understand, you know, the, the, the timing of things. Sometimes it's okay to fight for it. Other times, just go down and hold on to the football. See, now, now, now based on what you just said, it plays into what I was going to bring up next because I've said this for a long time. When a running back has an issue securing the football, to me, it's based on an inconsistency in concentration. Would you agree or disagree with that? I, I totally agree. You know, I think it's about the concentration, focus, how you want your word you want to use. It's like at that moment right then, are you focused on, are you concentrating on making a big play? Are you concentrating on making the right play? See, the one thing when I was in Philly, I remember John Harbaugh would always come to me and he'd say, B, he said, we keep this stat of starting position of the offense. He said, you're leading the league like 15 to 20 yards. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, the thing about you, you don't try to make a play. You just go make the play. And my, I was told by a coach one time, he said, make sure you hand the ball to your offense every time you, you touch it. And if I catch a punt, and I might not get one yard, but I give it to the offense, successful punt. You know what I'm saying? Mm. If a ball is about to hit the ground, I run up and I catch that ball, and I get tackled for a one-yard game, still, I did not let the ball hit the ground and run 25 yards against my team. So you got to – and I said it here in, in D.C. all the time. Too many guys are trying to make the spectacular play. Make mm -hmm. the play. The play that's supposed that you're supposed to make. Hey, speaking of making plays, who is this kid, Cam Sims, that nobody's ever heard about, man? 6'5, 220, made an incredible catch over Trayvon Diggs, who's like the ball hawk of cornerbacks in the National Football League. Right. To the point, Diggs got up and gave him some props. I mean, who's well, this kid? How's he only have 10 catches on a season? Because we have a lot of coaches that outsmart themselves, okay? I hear you was here. And he told me, he said, man, Cam Sims is a player. I hear you played in the league for a long time. He was his coach. Uh, Cam Sims came from Alabama. At six foot, what, four or five, whatever he is, he plays slot. He plays slot in Alabama. He knows Diggs. They went to the same school together. You know what I'm saying? That's why he adapted him up. That's his homeboy. He's like, good play. You know, but if he wasn't, wasn't his homeboy, I don't think Diggs would adapt him up. <laughs> this kid's made plays since he's gotten here. But every time they want to play this guy, that guy, Man, like I hear them saying they're gonna play the guy that makes the plays, but they also play the they always, they always play the guy that they signed to a free agent deal, the guy that they drafted. This dude can play, mm. and at that height, if he could play the slot, you get into the red zone. Who's gonna really stop him? But you watch him; he got beyond digs, and he made an unbelievable play. And to get his feet and knee and elbow in the inbounds says how how much skill that he has. So. I say everyone should have known about him, but a lot of these coaches, they can't get out of their own way. Mm. All right, let's talk about your defense for a moment. Now, to go into this game without your two front-line defensive ends, Chase Young, phenomenal player, lost for the season. Um, so they go into this game against the second-highest scoring team in the National Football League. 
They hold them to one offensive touchdown. They sack Dak Prescott four times. They mm-hmm. pick him off twice. They kept Dallas one for six in the red zone, and they held Dallas to 323 yards of offense. How much blame, if any, can you blame on the defense for what happened in Sunday's game, or do you think they played as well as they could play considering the situation? I think the defense played well. Okay. uh, I I think there are some situations where they could have did some things early to stop some things, but when you give up one touchdown and multiple times your team turned the ball over in your – area of the field and you hold them to a field goal, you know, they, they played terrific. When they started doing some things in the end and then Dak Prescott basically thought he was a, 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 a little league football player again, throwing the ball to anybody out there, you know, they had the way that they played gave them a chance to even make it seem like they could come back. Uh, Jonathan Allen has been having a terrific year. And now, now you're starting to see Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis follow it up. Matt Ioannidis played at Temple, I think it was. Yep. But they, they were at down to not their backup, Ends, they were back down to their backup backup ends because right before the game, Casey Tuhill, James Smith Williams, both of those guys were put onto the COVID list. And then you had uh Shaka Tony and some other kid, Robert, whoever I never heard of. You know, I, there were guys in that game yesterday I never heard of, but still they were able to get pressure because what Allen and Payne has been doing inside, and I and I is doing inside, settle comes in the game too, to a lot of people. They're focusing on them and those other guys getting those one-on-one matchups. Mm-hmm. And normally when you get one-on-one matchup, I don't care if you're a name or not, you got to be able to make a play. So they've done that. And then Landon Collins playing close to the line of scrimmage has changed the defense up. And in the beginning of the year, this team wanted to rush four. If you have LT, Reggie White, Aaron Donald, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And probably Von Miller in his best year, or you can go even with or Michael Strahan when he was playing this thing. Those guys, you can rush four. But you have two guys that are young in the middle. You have two guys that are young outside playing against some of these offensive linemen. They're not going to get there. Mm. So now they're starting to have those little blitzes. They're bringing a delay with some linebackers, and they're getting pressure on quarterbacks. That makes a difference for them. So now the defense looks like they're playing a lot better. Hey, man, I tell you, one of the things that was really shocking watching that game on Sunday is the crowd. It looked like 50% of the crowd was Dallas Cowboy fans. And before the game, more than 50%. Oh, it was about it was at least 60, 40 or higher, believe me. Hey man, Jerry Jones before the game even said our biggest fan base outside of Texas is the DC area. And I'm like, come on, man, that can't be right. And lo and behold, I'm seeing Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper jerseys everywhere, man. That can't sit well for Daniel Snyder, that organization, and the and the Washington fan base. Uh, it, it doesn't, but you know, I, I when I first got here, I noticed there were a lot of fans here too. And I started asking questions, and you got to realize, and this is not Dan's fault. It's not the, the current team's fault. You know, that was, this was the last team to let African-Americans play. And that's why you had so many people cheering for, if, if you're pissed at a team, what do you do? You don't cheer for the team that goes against them. Yeah. There were a lot of Cowboys fans because of that mere fact mm-hmm. that they did not allow African-Americans to play. And that, that has been something that has been handed down through families. You know, but now they like who they like. Jerry Jones has been not as successful as, as uh, Dan Snyder, to be honest with you. You know, if, since in the last 25 years or so, both teams have been average as they come. Yeah. But still, you have those fans when they get there. Most of them have never seen Texas. They've never been to the stadium. So when they come <laughs> here, they want to go there to make a big, big thing about it. 
But the way that uh, Washington has to do, you got to win football games, and you have to do it consistently. And I think the fa- and then a lot of fans are not necessarily mad at the team; they're mad at the way that they've been treated. And and I don't, you know, I'm not a business. I was a business major in the end. I was major in chemical engineering, but I know one thing: if the people that are uh, going out there and patronizing your business don't feel special, they don't feel like you care about them, and they feel like you're always taken, they're not going to support you consistently. So Washington has a final reason. I don't care if you put a new stadium. I don't care what you do on the team. You better make the people that are spending their money feel like you see them as something that's worthy. So in the aftermath of all the embarrassment that has uh, happened with this organization recently, you know, with the so-called scandals and everything like that, with the videos, with the cheerleaders, has the culture changed any in terms of how the organization has tried to embrace the fan base a little bit better? Well, you can see that they're trying to do different things. They've hired a lot of uh, minorities. They've hired a lot of women in different positions. Um, But the way that they've been treated, the fans have been treated for 20 years now, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. You know, uh, we opened up the phone calls when we, when all this stuff was going through the media, fans keep bringing up the fact that they sued this old lady, 80 some years old that couldn't pay her tickets and things of that nature. You know, uh, you then while all this is going on, you saw the water, whatever kind of water it was, it was sewage water, uh, um, waste water, whatever it was, it fell on people. You see sprinkler systems going off in suites. Uh, parking spaces got smaller, but the prices went up. When the people see all of that, it's going to be hard for them to just forget about it. And I think now, like we say, winning cures all. This team was on a four-game winning streak, and fans still gave them the one-finger salute. Mm. You know, because they, they feel like, I think people want to support the players. They want to support Ron. They love Ron. But they feel going to the stadium is supporting Dan. So they'll stay home and watch it on TV mm. instead of going to Well, so now this Washington team comes limping into Philadelphia. Uh, again, we are recording this podcast on a Monday, the day after the Dallas-Washington game. So i got to ask you this early on. What's the, what's the earlier report on the Taylor Heineke and the knee issue? Well, uh, they're saying that, you know, they're going to see, and if he's healthy, he's going to be the guy that go. Uh, but he has a knee injury, and then he also they're working on that elbow, so we just don't know exactly mm-hmm. what, what thing affects him the most. But, you know, I just think you've got to protect him better than what they did yesterday. He got hit an awful lot. Mm. And uh, they have Kyle Allen. They gave up a fifth-round pick for him last year. They said that Kyle Allen could have did all the things that Allen Smith did last year. So if Taylor's not 100% and Kyle Allen is, I would think you go with Kyle, but we won't find it out until they go. One thing about our run, he's very superstitious. <laughs> he doesn't want to say anything in the in the press that's going to make other, the other team think they have an advantage. So you won't find out who's starting probably until the game. <laughs> Terry Ter, Ter McLaurin's in our early concussion protocol. Still too early to tell about him? Yeah, it's too early to tell. But uh, one thing about him, if he can do anything to get on the football field, he'll be there. But the thing about this, this is out of your hands. You know, you got the independent uh, neurologists who come in and they do yeah. all these tests. You can think you're fine because that's exactly what uh, uh, J.D. McKissick said last week. But when they don't see the things they need to see, they're going to pull out. And I think you have to do that because we don't – we still, as long as the concussion has been going on, they still don't have a great hold mm. on that. you got to protect guys from themselves. Washington right now controls its own destiny. Four games to play. They hold a seventh seed, but they are tied with five other teams mm-hmm. at six and seven right now, including the Philadelphia Eagles. They beat Atlanta. They lost to New Orleans. Um, can this team hold on? I mean, I know they've been decimated by injuries, but can they hold on? 
Well, you know, <laughs> they better believe they can. <laughs> I think that it's going to be very difficult if they keep sustaining all of these injuries or they don't get some little pieces back. You know, but hell, they still we 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 see we've seen in this division right here. Yeah, the best team doesn't always win. It's a team that's better that day. So I think Washington's gonna have to be on point. As I stated yesterday, after losing that game, they have to be damn near perfect down the stretch. Mm. Um, I, I know you're committed to Washington. Um, you know the area and the team. I understand that, but I also believe that you sneak peek every now and then up the road to see what Philadelphia is doing. I'll sneak peek. People know I, Philly treated me great. Philly okay. took me in. A, they took me in when, when this team gave up on me and said I didn't have anything left. Well, they better look at those damn three years I was in Philadelphia. They, they didn't have a damn thing on this football team that was better than what I was doing up there. So I see Philly. I, I cheer for Philly. I just don't cheer for the Giants whatsoever. I can't. I don't know why I went there. I blame Joe Banner for making me go there. He didn't what do you think about Jalen Hurts and, and, and all of what he's had to go through and how he's evolved as a young starting quarterback in the NFL? I, I, look, I like him. I love that kid since he was in college. And the way that he handled that situation with Tua, Tonga Valoa, I think that showed his uh, level of uh, uh, maturity and showed how, how – and then he works his butt off which makes his teammates respect him. Mm-hmm. But the thing about you – know, he's going to have to keep improving. He has to become a better passer. But you can't say that many people in this league are better leaders than he is. He already – he's proven that. He proved that to me in college. Mm. Hey, in all the years that I've known you – the one thing I can say consistently about Brian Mitchell is he never pulls punches. He's going to tell you exactly what he feels. He don't care who knows how he feels. You remind me a lot of Seth Joyner, and I know you know Seth well. Um, have, have, have you ever said anything? Because whenever I see you know NBC Sports Washington come up on Facebook or YouTube, you know pre or post game, I said I, I just got to listen to a clip. It could be two days after the fact. I got to listen to whatever B Mitch is saying. Have you ever said anything where you thought later, man, I wish I had said that maybe just a little bit differently? No. My, my, I, I think first. I and mean, that's the only yeah. thing about it. You know, if you've been doing this long enough, it don't take very long to realize what you're saying. That's why I try to speak truthfully. Because when you're speaking truthfully about things, you don't have to remember it. You know that you said the fact. Mm-hmm. If you sit up here and you start trying to, like, lie and become, like, a mouthpiece for the team or this, that, or the other, you get caught up in stuff. Mm. You something happens, I'm going to tell you what I truly feel. And I'm not going to tell you what I truly feel because I'm trying to, to make a story. I'm going to tell you what I truly feel because that's what I truly feel. Mm. And you know, just like I've always said, my motto is this. If I say something that's not true, reach out to me and say something. And I'll go on radio, TV, and apologize for it. Hasn't happened yet. Mm. So I think I've been doing a good job and learning how to – I was a quarterback. I had to be able to think, think fast, make yeah. quick decisions. So when I'm on the TV and the radio, I'm the same way. I'm thinking, trying to think before I say something so I don't have to come back and uh, fix it up. And people go, everybody say, well, I made a mistake. Uh, you know, they, they misrepresented what I said. No, I said what I said, not meant. Hey, if Ron Rivera called you today and said, B. Mitch, we want you to join our coaching staff. But, but, and let me emphasize again, but you're going to have to be a little bit more guarded in your comments when you talk to the media, would you be on board? I'll say, Coach, uh, you may, you don't let your assistants talk very much. You let your <laughs> offense coordinator, defense coordinator talk, talk. Let that happen because if they ask me a question, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, I, I, you said exactly what I thought you were going to say, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you are still number two in the NFL all-time um, return yardage in the game. Um, you're in a Washington Redskins ring of honor. 
2016, you were nominated to the pro, for, the, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, did mm-hmm. not get selected on the final ballot. September of 2021, Brian Mitchell nominated again for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the class of 2022. Does mm-hmm. Brian Mitchell finally get into the Hall of Fame? I mean, you're only behind Jerry Rice for the all-time yardage in the National Football League. Does Brian Mitchell get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2022? You know I, I hope so. I think when you look at everybody in the top 10, they're all in there. I don't know why I shouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? But the ultimate thing is, there's nothing else I can do. You know, if that if that resume says you don't get uh, you don't be honest about that, then like, even people will say, well, return yard this, that, and the other. A lot of people return yards. A lot of people return punts, kicks. I was good at both of them. We'll see if people really understand the game of football. You know, the teams that have weak special teams don't win a lot. Teams with strong special teams, they win a lot. And I would like to believe that when I was on some teams, I made their special team a lot better than who they were when I wasn't on it. Now, now let's look into the future. Let's say you get that that Hall of Fame jacket. After you get mm-hmm. that Hall of Fame jacket, will D-Gun have to call your your publicist or marketing person just to, to get an audience with you occasionally? Or will you remember me when you cross that holy grail of pro football? You already talked to my publicist when you called me. You talked to me. <laughs> and I've always said that no PR person can make me better, or represent me better than I represent myself. So if you are my publicist, my PR person, or whatever, you work for me. You do what I tell you to do. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Hey, Brian Mitchell, man, I love you like a brother. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us on Gun On One. Hey, uh, much success uh, down the road. Oh, final question before I let you go. And I'm going to listen to this answer closely. Come Sunday, mm-hmm. Washington versus Philadelphia. Who are you rooting for? I'm going to have a combination of rooting for both teams. I don't know how I do that. No, 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 no. You got to pick one. No, you can't give me that. No, no, no. Listen, do listen, not give man. me that politically correct answer. Listen, no, 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 no. It's not going to be politically correct. My thing is this. Washington gave me my start. Philly gave me an opportunity when they when Washington gave up on me. So I love both of these cities. Like I told you, I don't cheer for the, the Giants whatsoever. I love both cities. But when you go into a game like this, you got to let it happen. I'll say this. If they are going to be missing Taylor and, and uh, McLaurin, Philly wins the game. Okay. That's, I just go there. Now, if McLaurin comes back, that guy seems to be able to make, make some magic happen. You know, but whether I'm cheering for this team, that team, if you win, whoever wins, I'm going to be happy with it, and whoever loses, I'm going to be sad. So that's how it goes. You know what? <laughs> if, if, this, if this analyst thing doesn't work out for you, you're in the right city to become a politician, my man. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm never, I'm never going to go there. Uh, I got too many things in my closet. I don't want to come out. <laughs> Brian Mitchell, man, thank you so much for being a part of Gone On One, man. Much love to you, brother. Take care, brother. Be cool. All right. That's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One, powered by Patterson Square Garden. For my man, Brian Mitchell, who I'm keeping my fingers crossed, he gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2022. I'm Derek Gunn. As I tell you each and every week, hey, everybody out there, stay blessed. But more importantly, bless somebody you encounter each and every week. Until next time, so long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. 
For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.